Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. It's Farmer Friday. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Well, we would love to hear from you all throughout the show on this Farmer Friday. Our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can email us, radio at agphd.com, or find us on Twitter, Darren Hefty, Brian Hefty, or Ag PhD Media. All right, so uh, we're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag here in just a minute. Uh, before we do, I, I guess I would just say there are a lot of very dry conditions out there in certain areas of our region. Uh, we're not too far away from Iowa here where we farm, and there is a severe drought going on in parts of Iowa, so certainly we feel for a lot of those people. Um, you know, it does get frustrating when you get to the end of the year, you put in all the inputs, and then you don't get rain. Or in some cases, you get way too much rain, or you get hail, or something goes wrong. And just like all year, we've been talking about, you know, 2020, you need to hear some positive words because there's so much negative stuff going on. Uh, We've seen the whole COVID thing hit, ethanol plants closed, uh, commodity prices down, riots, everything else. But I, I would just really encourage you, never forget, I was talking to some agronomists about this the other day, just never forget the opportunities that we have here in North America. It's unbelievable. So I was telling these agronomists I was doing training with the other day about when I went to India last September, and I just said, you just, you, you can't believe it. I, I mean, if you've never traveled to a third world country before. And as I talked to people there, they just said, yep, America, that's the dream. That's the dream. We'd love to have the opportunities that you do in America, have the opportunity to farm, to make money, to use the technologies that you have there, uh, to be able to drink the water. Uh, I, I mean, we just take so many things for granted. Please don't take things for granted. Uh, if, if you've never traveled to a third world country before, please do so. And you're going to come home and you're going to go, yeah, I, I mean, we've got some problems. Everybody does. But we certainly don't have the problems that they do there. We've got tremendous opportunity. Uh, and, you know, you look at what's happened even with the corn and soybean markets in the last few days. They've been going up. I'm very optimistic about the future, but I usually am. I, I, and I, I, I just look at this growing world. We need to produce food. We need to produce good food. And when we do things right on the farm, we have opportunities there. Sure, some years we have a lot more opportunities than others, but there are a lot of things that you can manage through to really dial in your costs, get a little more yield, do some things right for managing not just the agronomics, but the economics along with it. And those are the kind of things we talk about here on Ag PhD Radio each and every day. All right, well, it's time now for the Ag PhD Mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. Oh, boy, there's some good ones that have come in already today. Uh, the Ag PhD Mailbag, you can send us questions, radio at agphd.com, or you can just call us 844-44-AG-PHD. This one from Jordan in Georgia. And he said, first of all, I want to say thanks for all your information. I've been able to grow better crops listening to your advice. My question is, I have a pasture infested with one-foot-tall dog fennel. Now, I'm wanting to spray 240 amine at the highest labeled rate. The field is about 
200 yards away from my neighbor's peanut field, though. Should I be worried about drift if I spray it according to the label? Yep. Or, for twice the money, should I go with Freelex instead? How many acres? Doesn't say how many acres. Okay, this is one of the things that I talk to people about all the time. Uh, You know, very often we get hung up on costs. And don't get me wrong, I was just talking about, hey, we got to manage through the economics properly. But my point is simply this. Okay, (laughs) when you phrase something, it's going to cost twice as much money. You make it sound bad, all right? If we say, it's 40 acres, it's going to cost me $4 extra. That's a grand total of $160. I'm going to go, sold. That's an easy decision. Easy decision. I I mean, hopefully you've got that much extra cash sitting in your pocket right now. (laughs) So would I do that? I absolutely would. You have to look at risk-reward all the time. The risk is just too great. There's no way I'm going to hurt that guy's peanut field if I have to spray now. I'm either going to wait till the peanuts are off or... I'm going to spray the new 24D that doesn't have all the volatility and drift. All right. Thanks for the question. We appreciate that. Thanks for thinking about your neighbor, too. That's that's a great way to farm, to be concerned about others around us as well and what kind of impact our decisions make on them. This one from Kevin, and he said, I'm looking for a list of commercial herbicides that are systemic in their mode of action to kill vegetation. I, I'm looking for non-selective elimination of vegetation, consisting of grasses, vines, and even woody stock. Uh, Residual action would be a benefit, but not required, as tank mixing products could achieve that end goal. He wants a ground sterilant, is what you're saying. Yeah, he wants something that's systemic, that gets down all the way into the root system. Well, wait, though. Read it again, because I thought he wanted to kill everything. He wants non-selective vegetation killer that would be systemic. So kill, killing perennials. Yeah, but he wants residual. Did he not want residual? He said that would be a benefit, but I don't have to have that. Okay, so if you want residual and it's going to kill everything, that's a ground sterilant. And the ground sterilants out there are Hyvar, Pramitol, um, Esplanade. Uh, I'm trying to think, Darren, what else? What am I missing here? But, I mean, there are a few ground sterilants. So literally just look up the term ground sterilant. That's going to kill everything, and it's going to kill everything for a while. The problem with that is we do worry about the leaching of it. So it could run down a hill. It could uh, it, it could possibly start moving off target with water. So be careful about what you're doing there. In terms of killing everything systemically, uh, well, I shouldn't say everything. In, in terms of killing certain things systemically, yeah, there are many choices there. So if you want to spray something that will kill most of the plants you mentioned, Roundup's pretty good. But it's not going to kill the woody species. Okay, if you go to the woody species, you might be talking chaparral or tordon, but that's not going to kill the grass. So it, it it's a real challenge once you say, "Hey, I want to literally kill everything." That to me is a ground sterilant. Just be careful with what you do. Well, stay tuned. This is Ag PhD Radio. You would never plant seed or apply herbicide with a 20% success rate. So why are you still applying phosphorus fertilizer with a maximum availability of only 20%? Double your phosphate availability and increase yields with NutriCharge from AgroTech USA. NutriCharge's patent-pending technology protects phosphorus from negative chemical reactions that tie up your fertilizer investment. NutriCharge performs across all soil types and pHs. Contact AgroTech USA or your local Van Deese supply representative today. More choices, more money. 
With Bayer Plus Rewards, you choose from our broad portfolio of high-performance products. Earn more money on the eligible products that are right for your farm. And use our new portal to see your purchases, track your rewards, and decide how you want to use them. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to sign in and start earning. That's the advantage of more control in your hands. That's the plus. Pentair Hypro 3D nozzles are your premier choice for fungicide applications. Syngenta fungicide application field trials have shown Hypro 3D nozzles provide a yield advantage of up to 10% over other nozzles, maximizing the return on your fungicide investment. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. Stop losing money from your stored grain with the Enzone Fan Control System from FarmShop MFG. The Enzone monitors outside conditions to run your fans so your grain naturally reaches ideal temperature and humidity. For more information, visit farmshopmfg.com. If you're looking to get the most out of your foliar nutrition and fungicide programs, ask your ag retailer about Nutex EDA from Sipcam Agro. Nutex EDA has been proven to increase foliar micronutrient tissue levels and maintain those levels for an extended period of time. When tank mixed with fungicides, Nutex EDA helps support plant health, resulting in higher quality and yields. Nutex EDA is an affordable and effective solution that should be part of every grower's high yield toolbox. Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us. Our phone lines are open throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head out to Illinois first. We got Mike with us right now. Mike, how are you doing? Doing good. How are you guys? Good, good. So what's happening on your farm? Well, I'm just kind of waiting, trying to get some machinery ready to roll. Um, doing a little odds and end work here and there and just, just kind of enjoying the afternoon today. You know, you mentioned getting equipment ready to roll, and I, I know we were doing some stuff out uh, in a field right by our main farm shop, and, and a couple of our guys were, were working on equipment there that we aren't going to use for a month. And I was just thinking, you know, there's a lot of planning and preparation that goes into farming. What, what equipment are you getting ready? Are you getting ready to harvest equipment or tillage equipment? Yeah, I've got a truck I've been working on a little bit and got the combine getting it looked over real good see if i need any belts or anything on it so yeah nothing major there's so many moving parts on all this equipment that that a guy's got to really pay attention to i I was telling a story here the other day about a retired farmer that used to work part-time for my dad and dad just loved him because he knew what was going to go wrong before it ever went wrong and he would say hey you may want to check this hey you may need to change that and and he knew how to find that stuff before it broke that, it's pretty valuable yeah. to have a good operator. Yeah, I always keep a little notebook in the combine so I make notes of what might need to be checked for next year. So that's kind of what I do. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. How are the crops looking around you? Uh, right around me, they look pretty good. I, uh, you know, we uh, I think went through a little stress this spring when it was so cold there early, and then we had a little dry spell in June. But uh, for the most part, I'm pleased with what i'm seeing i think we're going to be above average by far so would you good. say would you say the soybeans are better or the corn or what would be the best crop in your area well i may say the soy well i don't know soybeans are going to be pretty good because a lot of them were planted early and you know they've had a long growing season and they got a lot of height to them which doesn't necessarily mean anything but but they they took off 
at the growing season and just kept going. They didn't slow down a bit, so they look really good too. So, Yeah, we got beans planted earlier than we have for a number of years here, and I, I would say the same thing if we would just have caught some more rain here late in the season. We've been dry for the last month or so, but, yeah, that that's going to limit us, but, boy, they sure look good out there still. Yeah, if we can get one more rain shower here in the next next few days or week or so, we'll we'll be in really good shape, I think. So, I mean, so, there's some spots around that just were dry in areas, but absolutely, you know, it's just been spotty all summer. Now, you mentioned getting equipment ready, and I got thinking about harvest. How far off is harvest for your area? Well, there's no beans that I've seen anywhere starting to turn yet. So, you know, they're looking at at least a month, probably more uh, corn. A lot of green in it. I'm thinking at least three weeks, maybe more than that. I mean, it's just some of those cool days we had just kind of slowly matured it. And for as early as it was planted, you think it'd be a little bit farther along. Maybe some of it is, but mine's not. So it's going to be at least a month on corn. All right. Yeah, I'm just I'm just curious, trying to gauge it here too. So we've got some plots with all kinds of different maturities of soybeans, and our beans that are way too early for this area are starting to turn, but our stuff that's normally planted in this area has got a ways to go yet too. Yeah, that's pretty much the way it is around here. It's just it's just kind of all over the board depending on when they got it planted. So yeah, it's going to be fun to see how this turns out this fall. That's for sure. Yeah, I think we're. I think we're, for the most part in our area, we're going to be in good shape. So excellent. That sounds we're great. Looking forward to. It. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're talking to Mike in Illinois. Mike, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on here. Good luck. Hopefully, hopefully, do catch that one more rain. Yeah. Well, thank you guys too, and have a good day. Yeah, you as well. Uh, I got Jimmy with us right now down in North Carolina. How's it going, Jimmy? Hey, everything's going good. We finally got some rain, and the temperatures cooled off, so things are looking a whole lot better. You know, you mentioned that uh, temperatures cooling off, and a lot of folks talk about the daytime highs, but I think those nighttime cooler temps really seem to help the crop too. Yeah, well, we had gotten excessively hot, and we was getting very hot at night, and it was really uh, hurting our crops. And um, actually, we got a hurricane about three weeks ago, and the hurricane helped us out tremendously. We got some much needed moisture, and that actually changed the jet stream enough to cool the temperatures down. Interesting. Yeah, we hear hurricane talk, and we're in the center of the continent, so it doesn't seem to impact things here very often, but we know on the coast it sure makes everybody nervous. Yeah, we got uh, all the crops are about ready to start coming in. There'll probably be some corn picked next week, and right now they got two hurricanes going up the Gulf, so... We're getting awful nervous. You know, we're almost there, and one hurricane glad I'm on the ground. You know, when that happens, how wet to corn will you take to try to get out in front of a hurricane? Um, I, we live far enough in them that we traditionally don't have a problem, but when you get them on the coast, when they get 27, 28% moisture, and if they see something on the horizon, they'll start picking pretty heavy. It's pretty much as hard as they can go. Yeah, I, I always think about that. I, I think, okay, there's there's a point where it's still too wet and it's a mess and you just can't do it. But then I also think about the person that's going to buy that grain, and I think, I wonder if they just want to shut down a couple days ahead and not take all that risk too, but I suppose they got insurance. Well, you know, we all, you know, in North Carolina, we're a tremendously uh, deficit state when it comes to feeding livestock, so... Yeah, a lot of times the corn that can come in now, you know, 
it doesn't sit in the system very long. It moves through pretty fast. So if they can get the moisture out of it, you know, it, it's right much drying capacity in North Carolina, especially on the coast where hurricanes are usually a, a big problem. People somewhat have the infrastructure in place to deal with it. Sure, sure. How about the soybeans, Jimmy? What do soybeans look like in your area? The um, We had a very interesting season this year. Um, everybody talked about the challenges, but it was excessively moist. It had a lot of excessive moisture when we were trying to plant the beans. So we got we were really late getting the plant, beans planted. And then just as soon as we finally got all the beans planted, we found a lot of double crop beans. And then it, when the land got dry enough to plant, then we went into the 100-degree temperatures, and we went about three weeks with no rain. So really the beans that hadn't germinated were really slow getting going. And on our particular farm, we had put in uh, – probably 20% more 4.8 and 5.0 maturity ranges than we normally do so we got we had the seed purchased and then we got it planted late and then the dry spell hit it so the beans the really late maturing beans when I'm getting the 6s and 7s I think we're going to be really good on but on the very early maturing beans it's going to be extremely stressed and in fact we're starting to see some and then, uh, you know, turn yellow, basically, you know, dying out when you get into the spots of the field where the soil goes a little more marginal. We're already seeing some of the uh, plants starting to die out, you know, just maturity. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, to say the least, with, like you say, the weather that's coming your way. Uh, I guess we'll be thinking about you down there, Jimmy. Hopefully hopefully it's some good rain and, and nothing, none of the bad stuff. All right. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you calling in today here and good luck. All right. Thanks a lot. You have a good day. You too. Uh, Brian got a comment that came in from Jesse and, and he said, you know, just talking about people don't really appreciate farmers, don't understand where their food's coming from. And he said, I worked with a guy who used to always say, never cuss a farmer with your mouth full of food that he was so disgusted that people had complained about farmers before. Hey, Jesse, thanks for sending that in. Yeah, I know. I've, I've definitely heard that too. And uh, as farmers, it's one of the things that we're trying to do here, and we encourage everybody to do just to be an advocate for agriculture. Let people know what you're doing on the farm and why so they can have a little better understanding of what's going on. Um, I got a question here from Troy in central Missouri. He said, I've got access to some manure, but they bed with wood chips. Uh, do you think wood chips are bad for the soil? Uh, are they going to cause problems out there? No, they're, they're not. They're very high carbon. Yeah. So I would say this, Troy, if you put them out there, it does, in our geography where we freeze for so long, you're going to be a little warmer than we are. It takes a little while to break those down, so you'll have to put That's a little more nitrogen time, out there to help break that down. Time and nitrogen tie up in the short term. So, yes, both things. But, no, having wood chips out there is not certainly not bad for the soil. just changes some things. And if they're ground into smaller things, like you mentioned sawdust, it's, it's going to happen a little quicker than if they're bigger chips. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. More choices, more money. With Bayer Plus Rewards, you choose from our broad portfolio of high-performance products. Earn more money on the eligible products that are right for your farm. And use our new portal to see your purchases, track your rewards, and decide how you want to use them. 
Visit MyBearPlus.com to sign in and start earning. That's the advantage of more control in your hands. That's the plus. When it comes to innovative herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. They've been bringing growers trusted brands like Panther, Credit Extreme, and Cheetah for decades, made right here in the USA. What's your favorite New Farm brand? Email it to turnuptheburn at newfarm.com and you'll be entered to win a monthly $1,000 product giveaway. In these challenging times, we know you're under pressure. New Farm's here to help. Oh my goodness, did you see Bob's gorgeous soybean rose? Um, totally. I couldn't believe how clean and weed-free his entire field looked. I'm like, so jealous. I heard he started using this new post-applied residual herbicide called Perpetuo, and it's burned down and long-lasting residual powers making his soybeans like literally the talk of the town. Ah, so Perpetuo's his secret. Yep. Talk to your retailer or visit valent.com slash Perpetuo to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Your land is a legacy, a challenge from those who tended it before you to build on their foundations. At Corteva AgriScience, we understand what it means to be the stewards of a legacy. We embrace the challenge of building on the foundation of Dow AgroSciences to maintain your trust, to bring new solutions, to help you care for your land. See how we can help build your legacy at rangeandpasture.com. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, whenever you want. Farm your way with Case IH AFS Connect. Now you can farm, share data, and manage your fleet however, whenever, and wherever you want. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmyourway. Worried about glyphosate-resistant weeds and grasses in your corn? Unleash the power of new Impact Z herbicide and get the early post-application advantage you've been waiting for. Save $3 per acre when you combine Impact Z with a qualifying insecticide purchase. Go to buy2save3.com for details. Buy2save3 is a service mark and Impact Z is a trademark owned by Amvac Chemical Corporation. All rights reserved. Impact Z is a restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label instructions. Friday and Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to talk about what's happening in your area or have an agronomic question, our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head down to Mississippi. We've got Dean with us right now. Dean, how are things going down in Mississippi? They're going really good. Excellent. Um, got a little shower last night again, so we're finishing up off this crop with a uh, good moisture so see this is the perfect time to talk to farmers that needed rain that got a rain man if we could just time that out on ag phd that okay whoever got rains in the last day or two that needed them <laughs> let's talk to you because that's that's always good when people are happy oh yeah oh yeah sure yeah corn's drying down probably about 22 percent right now so wow not too far from getting into it. Okay, so talk to us about your corn market in your area. Uh, what kind of disruption has there been in 2020, if any? Um, we've actually got a really good corn market this year. Uh, 
was a little bit worried with the whole, with you know some of the ethanol plants up north slowing down that there was going to be no more northern grain coming uh this way you know with a cheaper basis but our basis has actually held up really well i think here a few minutes from the house here i can get 45 cents if i go an hour i can get 60 so we're still over the board so we're still looking at a really strong basis here so that's got us in good shape yeah our basis up here is not good dean so you are getting accurate information the basis in the north could be a lot better and you know we're hoping if this ethanol industry gets really rolling here again that that we'll have a good market again for corn in the north too but man then you look at some of the weather that went through iowa and see all the corn that was lost there just terrible Oh, terrible for them guys. So, okay, so you get to start harvest here soon on this corn. What happens after that point? Do you put something else in yet here at late in the summer, or do you do a cover crop, or do you just start preparing for next year? No, we're going to come in, and we're going to chisel everything down and uh, cover crop. We're 100% cover crop, so that's kind of our our plan. We'll come with a, come in with a, about a three-way blend. It'll be black oats of vetch some clover we'll probably put a uh, brassica in there like a kale but we'll be looking at three or three to five varieties depending on if we're going in front of uh if we're going in front of corn we'll go you know heavy on the the uh vetches and clovers and the brassicas going in front of soybeans probably going to pull the the uh, vetches and clovers back a little bit because we noticed this year uh come planting time you those those vetches can be can be pretty hard to kill, and uh, you don't want them out there when you're trying to get beans established. Beans just do not like competing with vetch and clover. They just we couldn't seem to we struggled a little bit a little bit with our stand where we didn't get a good kill on those. So sure. Sure. Yeah, I know talking to growers, Brandon and I were over in uh, Europe talking to growers about just how many pounds of nitrogen they thought they could produce out of a good cover crop out in front of their small grains. What do you think you're getting out of that? I know you said the mix is going to be different for weed control in front of corn versus soybeans, but uh, certainly you're hoping to generate some nitrogen that that corn crop could use as well. I don't know. I I am just kind of starting to lean a little heavier on the uh, the, uh, the vetches and the clovers. And as far as getting it really, this last year was actually the first year that we had a de- we actually got them established. So we're going to try to a few different things, try to get them established a little bit better this year, and just see what we can do with it. I I'm a little bit new to we've been cover cropping, but we've been leaning mainly on uh, oats for for just erosion but sure. now we're trying to gain a little more benefit out of it so we're we're leaning on the tiller a little bit harder yeah yeah it's kind of neat to hear uh, just how that whole process evolves over time on your farm and looking at different things that's cool uh talk to me one more time about the corn crop then what what are you anticipating for a crop down in your area are yields going to be above average there um Maybe just a little bit. We've had a we've had a really brutal dry spell here. We had about a month here, right where I'm at, where um, we didn't have any rain, measurable amount hardly. So things got pretty dry. So our test weight's going to be, you know, we're going to be looking at 57, 58 pound corn instead of the normal 60, 61 pound corn that we usually see. And so 
but we started out really strong, so the kernel count is there. It's just we'll see the test weight is going to be where the where the real story is going to be told. Um, I'm hoping we're going to see 220, 230 irrigated. Um, I think I think it's fairly easy to say we'll we'll see 160. There'll be a lot of 160 dryland corn picked. Sure, I think that's pretty fair to say. Yep. Yeah. Too bad it got dry there too. We're we're in the same boat where we got dry here for the last month, and that took some of that top end off that we might have had. But it still still should be a decent crop here too. Uh, talking with Dean down in Mississippi. Dean, thank you so much. Really appreciate it, and uh, good luck here heading into the fall. Absolutely. Uh, let's head down to Iowa right now. Got another Dean on. Dean, how are you doing? No, not too bad. Not too bad. Need some rain. Yep. Need rain. Yeah, it's but, it's amazing yeah. how how many dry areas there are around the country, and I hear you're having a weed control challenge. I wonder if the dry weather is having something to do with that too. Well, I don't know. We sprayed some uh, Canadian thistle a year ago with Milestone. It dinged them a little bit in the pasture. Uh, this would be pasture ground, and uh, so I was wanting to respray again. And then I've got another pasture that we have sprayed graze on, clean it up good, but. Now we've got the horse nettle in there that just uh, it just seems to be coming more and more every year here. So okay, let's let's first talk, Dean, about this milestone issue. Did you use seven ounces, or what rate of milestone did you use? You know, I went through the, the dealer uh, and they put it on. I'd have to go back and look. Okay, that's but, uh, that's the number one issue we see when milestone doesn't work is the full rate wasn't used. But when was it sprayed? Was it sprayed late in the fall or early in the fall? About, I'd say, the middle of September, I would have clipped them, oh, the patches I clipped in about uh, July, middle of July, clipped them down before they went to seed or head. Okay. And then they w- would add some regrowth. Yep. And then that way, but... Uh, yeah, that all sounds yeah. fine, and last year we didn't have an early frost. You didn't, by chance, have an early frost there, right? No. Yeah. No. What we always say is, look, you're going to have better results if you can get it on a couple weeks before the first hard killing frost in the fall. So if seven ounces gets used and it's done at least a couple weeks before the first frost, typically we see fantastic control. And we even have some guys that say, you know what, I've got control for a year or two and they're able to permanently eliminate some patches. So my guess is they went with a lower rate. So I that's okay. what I would that's what I would check out. Otherwise, I don't I I honestly Dean don't know if I've ever had a failure with Milestone since it's come out when it's used at 7 ounces. Okay. Can I come back and use it again yes. this, this fall? You sure okay. can. Yep. 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 Okay. Yeah, there's yep. absolutely no problem with that. Again, the key okay. thing is just make sure you spray it early enough and you'll be fine. Uh, right, right, right. Okay, so tell us about this horse nettle. You're having a lot of problem with horse nettle, or it's just in one pasture, well, or what? Just the one pasture, yep. And like I said, we cleaned most of everything up with graze on a year and a half ago. Sure. And it just seemed like, you know, you get about the middle of July, and you start seeing the horse nettle coming through more. And it's been, you know, last two years. Now, again, this year, I mean, there's to me, that's more than I'd like to see out there. Sure. So, I was just looking to see if there was something, if there's Same. a different time frame that we need to spray. Okay. You know. Now, I'm glad you asked about the time frame because a lot of people will say, oh, you know what, I'm just going to wait to spray in the early fall because that's when people tell me it's the best time to kill thistle yeah. or horse nettle or some of these other perennials. 
it, it, it may be the best time, but but you know what I always tell people? Look, if I see a weed, I want to go kill it because just like you were talking about, oh, I'm clipping it off in the middle of the summer. We can't have these things go into seed. And what we forget a lot of times is with the perennials, even if they don't go to seed, they're still in effect going to seed below ground with those rhizomes that they put out. So we want to okay. kill them as early as possible. So what I'm saying is if you see an issue in the spring and you go, man, I didn't spray that pasture last fall, get it sprayed in the spring, you'll do well there too. But Milestone is great. Otherwise, some people are switching to Duracore. That's basically the replacement for Grazon. Hey, Dean, we got to run. Hopefully that answers your questions. Stay tuned. This is Ag PhD Radio. Oh my goodness, did you see Bob's gorgeous soybean rows? Um, totally. I couldn't believe how clean, weed-free his entire field looked. I'm like, so jealous. I heard he started using this new post-applied residual herbicide called Perpetuo, and it's burned down and long-lasting residual powers making his soybeans like literally the talk of the town. Ah, so Perpetuo's his secret. Yep. Talk to your retailer or visit valent.com slash Perpetuo to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Stop losing money from your stored grain with the Enzone Fan Control System from FarmShop MFG. Hot spots and moisture in your bin can cost you thousands in lost revenue. The Enzone monitors outside conditions to run your fans exactly when you want them to, naturally bringing your grain to ideal temperature and humidity. Master bin management with the Enzone. For more information, visit farmshopmfg.com. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Bellum is Rotam North America's mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. Success isn't just about maintaining your operation, how you make out for the season, or how much you can get from each acre. It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and grow your legacy, all the way down to the last drop. AgroLiquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Each year brings new and unique challenges to farming, and your operation needs to constantly adapt to meet them. That's why at AgBiome, we're working every day to bring you new and better solutions, microbial-based solutions that protect your crop and help it reach its full potential. To learn more about how we're doing it, visit agbiome.com. That's A-G-B-I-O-M-E.com. AgBiome, feeding the world responsibly, partnering with microbes for human benefit. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us. 
We would love to hear from you and how things are going in your area. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head out to New York. we got Jack with us right now. Jack, how are you? It's a beautiful day out here. You couldn't ask for anything better. Excellent. Uh, Excellent. We've had had a super year. Anytime you even thought you wanted a rain, we had a rain. Yeah. Wow. Uh, That's good. New York, a lot of people don't know New York State has farmers, but it's not all the city, you know. Well, you know, we always hear about about what's going on in the big city. You're absolutely right. But, you know, I think about uh, a number of things. You know, Brian and I have have, uh, been out in western New York quite a bit, and and we always hear about lake effect weather and things that are going on there. I also learned that you guys have a few rocks in your soil out there that you said, oh, no, they're just pebbles when they were about as big as my head. But (laughs) you said they get bigger than that. Do you have any of those rocks, too? Yes, sir. We grow them like everybody else. You know? <laughs> and if you didn't have them, it would be nice to be a farmer, you know. <laughs> that's that's so right. Lately, lately they have rock buckets in front of skid loaders. They're good for picking, and there's some other good equipment that picks rocks pretty good, but. It don't, it don't matter how often you pick them, they're here next year. You know, I had a farmer I was talking to this week, and he said his kids were complaining about doing uh, online school, and so he took them out and had them pick rock for a few days. He said, man, they were begging to go back to school. That's right. That, that make a man out of anybody. <laughs> you walk around that soft ground and pick rocks on a hot day, yes, yeah. Most so, most help won't do it anymore. No, all right, you so you get you guys have been getting timely rainfall. What what are you expecting for yields this year? What do you think you're going to get? Right now, the corn our corn looks the best I've ever grew corn, and uh, we grow quite a lot of it. And we milk a lot of cows, and we top a lot of corn. I would say uh, it, better than 180. I think, which is good for us. You bet. You bet. Now, hey, you mentioned chopping chopping silage for the cows. What are you looking for in the silage? Are you looking for hybrids that produce a lot of tonnage? Are you looking at the quality? Where where do you go with that? We we plant the kind of corn they call it BMR brown midriff, uh, and that that silage when you feed it to dairy cows it equals about five pounds a day more milk. And I've been on and off it several times and. And it, it's, that's what it does. If you when you go off it, they drop it. When you come back on it, they go up. It's uh, we get it from uh, Microgen is who, who we get it from. A little bit we get from Pioneer, but uh, Microgen seems to be the better of the two. And uh, we we chop about twenty five hundred acres, so it's uh, it's uh, it's a, a important crop for us too. You know, we'll we should start that in two weeks maybe. Yeah, which is a couple weeks couple weeks early for us. That was going to be my next question because the guys around here are talking about getting started a couple weeks early this year. So it's about the same thing there. Yeah. You must have had some heat then too. Yeah, we, we've had – we don't usually have 90-degree days, but we had three weeks of them anyway this year. And we're, we're not used to it. We're kind of soft, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's certainly a different year. But fortunately, you guys have caught the rain, so that, that's going to be a good deal. What uh, What's happening in the dairy industry now? We've certainly heard a lot of things going through this goofy year of 2020. Well, it's, it's good, a good time not to have a milk cow right now because uh, we're, we're getting 14 or 15 for milk, and it costs 17 or 18 to make it. So you don't have to be too smart to know how long it'll last, you know. And we, we've had bad milk prices for this year especially but 
for two or three years. That's what I can brag about. Uh, that's that's we 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 went to growing more green, and that's 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 okay because we have our own beds and we can store it okay when 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 we when we pick it, you know. So. Yep. Yeah. They always say to diversify, and the the challenge is when one of those things is just not paying the bills, and it's been a challenging year to say the least for for that industry. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's we're we're a pretty good sized farm, so I told a guy the other day, I think we'll all go down the tube. I'm going to be number one, and he said I want to be number two. <laughs> well jack thank you so yeah. much really appreciate you calling in glad you guys All have right. caught some decent weather this year at least you got a good crop you have a, and you have a nice program i like to listen to you because uh they have a lot of good ideas come come too oh thank you from thank you guys and from the people who call you it's it's nice i like it Thank you very much. And uh, again, right. just to remind everybody listening, Jack is from New York, not from the big city, uh, but from some of the beautiful, beautiful farm country uh, uh, in the rest of the state. Thank you so much, Jack. Really appreciate it. All right. All right. Thank you. And have a nice day. Bet you as well. I uh, got a question here that came in from Brian, and he said, I'm wondering, where does Goss's wilt over winter? I've never seen it on wheat, and I'm wondering, would that be a good rotation with my corn? Just wondering how Goss's wilt moves around. Well, as a general statement, with the a lot of the diseases that affect grass crops, we want to stay away then from the grass crops with rotation. So that's why corn and soybeans through much of the Midwestern United States, where we farm, is such a nice rotation because you get a broadleaf crop in soybeans and a grass crop in corn. Now, in terms of wheat, both Darren and I, we've never seen any issue with Goss's wilt in wheat or that it can, as far as we know, Goss's wilt cannot get hosted by wheat. Uh, so we believe that would be just fine. Usually where we have the most problem with Goss's wilt is continuous corn. So if you can just get away from corn, most other crops do not host Goss's wilt. Now we believe there are some, well we know there are some grasses that can host it. So that's why too we say, hey, when you're going to raise whatever crop as a rotation, make sure the weeds are out of there. Because a lot of times you kind of forget oh yeah, there's some weeds out there and that means I don't really have my rotation effect. Just like soybean fields. One of the things that drives me absolutely crazy is when I'm driving down the road and I see all kinds of volunteer corn out there. And then the guys go spray late. A lot of people say, well, I'll just kill the volunteer corn on my second pass through the field. And I'm going, what are you talking about? Now you just hosted rootworms and you hosted a disease for the whole next year. Kill it early. We had one of the worst volunteer corn years we've seen in my whole life. There's so much volunteer corn driving around the country. 2020 is a horrible corn rootworm year. You see all kinds of adult corn rootworm beetles out exactly. there now because there are so many folks that didn't get volunteer corn under control. Now, you mentioned some of these grass species like barnyard grass and green foxtail and shatter cane. They're all over and they host Goss's wilt. So okay. if we don't clean them up. And early. Clean them you, up early. You've got corn residue that has that bacteria. It splashes up with rain. It gets on your green foxtail, barnyard grass, shatter cane that's out anywhere in your cover crop, out in your soybean crop, out in anything that's not corn. And now we skip the rotation and it's even worse the next time you put right. corn in. So we just want to give you a tip. Kill your weeds early. If you wait and kill them later, it's kind of like when we talk about bugs. It's a revenge kill. The bugs have already, uh, they've already bred. They've already laid their eggs. They've already done their damage. 
and you're now at this point wasting your money. So don't spray late for weeds. You got to spray early for weeds. Same thing for bugs. Same thing for diseases. Get the stuff under control early. And I'm not saying you have to spend any more money. And spraying volunteer corn costs $2. It's $2. I'm not asking you to spend a fortune. I'm just saying instead of spending your $2 late in the year, spend it early in the year. So then you stop the diseases. You stop the bugs. You're going to be way ahead. All right. Here's the other thing. When you have diseases like this that survive in residue... If you can get that residue burned up sooner, then you have less issues with the disease. Exactly. We see the same thing with sclerotinia white mold. Farmers that are burning up that that residue sooner but and they're wait, killing those sclerotia wait, off. If when, they can get microbial activity to eat the sclerotia, or in this case, to eat up the corn stalks that are out in fields, okay. you can lessen your disease. I know, pressure. I know what you were talking about, but you use the term burned up. And a lot of people, when they hear that, they're going to think, what, we have to set the field on fire? No, that's not what he means. He means that something deteriorates. Your soil is full of living things that like to break those carbon sources down, like last year's corn stalks or this year's corn stalks. Once you get done with harvest, they need a little bit of nitrogen to make that process happen. And if you've got an issue that like flooding and prevent plant and you've got any kind of issue with your microbial population and your soil health, it's going to be slower. So if you can do things that improve soil health, add additional microbes to help break down residue, add a little nitrogen to help break that residue down faster, you can lessen disease pressure over time. Hey, thanks for the question. We appreciate that. It is Farmer Friday on our show today. We'll be right back with more of your calls and questions after this. Hey, Adam. New drone? Not just any drone. I mounted a laser on it to take out weeds. Look out for that tree. In the power lines. Oh, it's in for the house. There's a simpler way to protect spring wheat from weeds. Perfect Match Herbicide. The broadest spectrum weed and grass control in one product. Learn more at perfectmatchherbicide.com. Always read and follow label directions. The laser. Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with branded generic pesticides from Atticus, LLC. Atticus offers a vast portfolio of branded generic fungicides, herbicides, and insecticides for row crops. Atticus puts grassroots experience and common sense logic to work to make product selection easier and on your terms. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit AtticusLLC.com to learn more. For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and follow label instructions. Want to cut production costs without losing yield? Brian Ryberg from Buffalo Lake, Minnesota has done just that. Here's his story. We began using a soil warrior in our farm fall of 2014. We've seen many benefits from better water infiltration, a lot less hours on equipment, fuel, able to reduce our fertilizer side, so it's really simplified our operation. See what makes Soil Warrior different and better at SoilWarrior.com. You deserve to have a building that will last for generations. With more than 110 years of experience and thousands of satisfied customers, Morton Buildings is the industry leader you can trust. Unlike other construction companies, you work with Morton Buildings craftsmen. From conception to completion, there's no better time to buy. Lock in your new building for 2020 today. Contact your local Morton sales office or visit mortonbuildings.com. Success isn't just about maintaining your operation, how you make out for the season, 
or how much you can get from each acre. It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and grow your legacy. All the way down to the last drop. Agroliquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Maintaining your crops is as important now as it's ever been. Howler, a revolutionary fungicide from AgBiome, can help. It provides long-lasting protection from a broad spectrum of foliar and soil diseases that affect crops. Howler is OMRI listed, has multiple modes of action, and has minimal pre-harvest and re-entry intervals. It's flexible, easy to use, and is available right now. Visit agbiome.com forward slash howler to learn more. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio on Farmer Friday. Just got some feedback here from Patrick. He said, hey, Brian and Darren, just wanted to let you know my kids rush home from whatever activities they're doing to watch Ag PhD. They also remember the Weed of the Week. They're ages 8 and 9. Well, Patrick, thank you so much for the message. We really appreciate that. Uh, tell the kids thanks a lot for, for checking things out. You know, Brian's getting a little older. I'm always looking for another co-host on here. Maybe we'll get these guys trained up and they can take over for Brian. Uh, Brian, oh, Brian doesn't want to let go real anytime soon. But, uh, no, this is how you get going. And, and Brian and I had a passion for this when we were kids. We always want to know, well, what is that weed and how do we take it out? And, unfortunately, it was because we had to. That was our yeah. job. Uh, honestly, Darren, I don't know for, if for me oh, it we was had a passion. passion. It was a passion because yeah, we didn't want to have to go back over those fields again. I had a passion to get done with my work, and I had to get that done. So let's let's put it that way. And even to this day, we'll be out walking. Walking and I'll I'll notice something uh, on the ground or a weed or whatever, and I'm walking along with my wife, and she said, "How did you see that?" And I go, "Yeah, that, I, that was training from years and years of walking bean fields. You had to spot certain things." So anyway, all right, go ahead, Darren. What's our next question? All right, next one comes from Nick out in Washington. He said, "Any recommendations for controlling Scotch thistle?" My sure. first recommendation is get it early. This one is generally pretty easy to control if you get out there early with the right products, and we'll talk about that in just a second. But like a lot of thistle species, it gets tougher to kill as it gets bigger. So we want to try and take it out. I hear some people saying, oh, you got to let it bloom first and then kill it. Good luck with that. If we saw a thistle bloom in our pasture growing up, our dad would have us out there with a corn knife cutting them off, putting them in a bag, and hauling them off. you got to kill them early. This is a biennial weed. Get it when it's in the rosette stage. That's year one. It's not even going to produce any seed that year. That's the time to kill it. Yep. I hear people saying things like that, like let it bloom first or whatever. Don't do that. Please don't do that because here's what's going to happen. You're going to miss the right timing. The the there, there are seeds that are going to get formed. And now you've got a problem again for the next maybe even several years. So always go kill the weeds early. It's usually cheaper then as well. But anyway, with Scotch thistle, like earlier in the show, we were talking about what's the best thistle product. It's Milestone in pastures. It's fantastic. I assume this is pasture we're talking about, or where are we talking about killing it? just says where, how do you kill it? Okay, well, lots of ways. So if it's out in a crop field, the best thing is Roundup. In a pasture, the best thing is Milestone. Uh, If you can't use Roundup 
or milestone and you're you're really concerned about it in a non-crop area 24d especially the new 24d that's low drift low volatility that would be good but yeah we got lots of ways to kill scotch thistle it's I, I'm, I'm just not that worried about it. You can definitely do it, but like Darren said, get it early. All right, get one from Ed in northwest Indiana, and he said, I'm wondering what are some ways to increase test weight. I'm already applying a fungicide. I've got pivot Wait, irrigation. And we're I talking for- corn? Yes, corn. Yeah, okay. I, I'm applying fungicide. I've got pivot irrigation, and I can fertigate with that. I've seen some Good. graphs showing different nutrients in their uptake in the plant throughout different stages. I'm wondering, is there any specific nutrient that if I apply late in the season will contribute to heavier corn, like, for example, phosphorus or zinc, or is it more about just figuring out what my next yield-limiting factor or the lowest stave in the barrel is? Okay. Phosphorus late in the season is a bad idea, and here's why. It doesn't move well in the soil, and it's the number one water quality issue that we have in North America today. So what I'm saying with that is if you lay it on the soil surface, it's not going to go in. And now if you have any erosion, it's going to leave your field. So you've wasted your money. You haven't done the crop any good. And you potentially caused an environmental headache. That's all bad. So don't ever do phosphorus later in the year. All your phosphorus should be done the fall before down into the soil or in the spring at planting time or right before planting time, get it down into the soil. Do not put your phosphorus on the soil surface. And I would tell you the same thing with zinc and maybe a few other nutrients like copper, for example, that just don't move well in soil. Now, potassium, especially if you're irrigating and let's say it's lighter soil, yeah, you can push it down there a little bit. So there are some situations, we were talking about this, uh, let's see, it was a couple of days ago on the show and, or maybe it was yesterday. It was yesterday. We were talking about potassium and we had Bill Brush on from Mountain California and he said, you know, with these really super high mag soils, they've got like 50% magnesium. They are spoon feeding as they go with potassium and that works pretty well. But to specifically answer your question, is there any one nutrient where I can say that will build my test weight? Well, not exactly. No, we want all the nutrients. And I know that you probably aren't going to like that answer, but I, I would say for us in our own operation, what we found is P and K. And it was especially the potassium. And this is corn and soybeans. But you got to look at the micronutrients as well. So we want a complete soil test. We want to get those nutrients in balance. We want to have ample nutrients all throughout the season, not just most of the way, but all throughout the season, and especially as you're finishing the season. So you got to be smart about that because, like I said, phosphorus all has to be done early. So you got to be thinking big-time yield potential there. But then you can throw a little bit more out as you go with nutrients like nitrogen, sulfur, boron, maybe even to some degree potassium. But I mean, like with potassium, you're, it's way less expensive if you do a dry early in the year if you need to really build your soil. So you got to be smart agronomically and economically here. But, yeah, there's, there, there's no one silver bullet. All right, Brian, another question kind of along the same lines. This one comes from Gordon in Indiana, and he said, I'm wondering, you guys talk about tissue samples. If we took soil tests during the season all throughout the year, like we have done with tissue samples, would you have specific numbers or goals on soil tests that you'd look at at various growing degree days or certain growth stages throughout the season? Wondering what soil sample levels are key to knowing the plant is going to 
uh, have to draw them down, what levels would you have to maintain to get good yield? Yeah, but you don't really need to do that because with the non-leachable nutrients, they're not going anywhere. So when you talk phosphorus and to some degree potassium, zinc, copper, most of the nutrients we're dealing with, you get one test and then it's basically going to be crop removal. And we know based on yield how we're going to do there. So what we are concerned about and what you should test for in season, a soil test for, would be things like nitrogen, sulfur, boron, because those are leachable. Now, just keep in mind, nitrate's the number one because that leaches at about twice the rate of sulfur. So I don't worry as much about the sulfur, and that's why most people don't test the sulfur. And boron leaches even slower than sulfur. So nitrate is the big one. And I would just say we absolutely, when you raise a crop that needs nitrogen fertilization, we absolutely want you doing some soil testing. It only costs five bucks to run a nitrate test, so it's no big deal. Do some, and I would encourage you do it in almost every field you've got, so then you at least have an idea. When we've done that, in some cases, it saved us tens of thousands of dollars because we realized, oh, wow, we're actually in great shape. We can see it at a certain stage, and then we know from that point on it requires whatever, 70% yet or 80% yet of the total nitrogen needs for the season. We look at our yield goal, we run the math, and we go, wow, we're in great shape. We're fine. But then in other cases, we've gone out there and gone, um, where'd our nitrogen go? Because it's not here. And that's where we spend the money. And now we spend the money more wisely. So, yes, for those leachables, soil test in season. That's our encouragement for you. All right. I got a, got a comment here from Susie. She said, we are growing corn for the first time and we have two brace roots. You guys were talking about brace roots the other day. We're kind two of excited. Two sets of brace right roots, now. I assume? Yeah, I'm betting okay. it's two sets <laughs> of brace roots. Not two individual brace roots. But anyway, brace roots are only the result of stress. So if you get enough wind and your plants don't have this huge stock to begin with, you're going to see more bracerets come out. You might have three or even four levels or rings of bracerets on that plant if it's tippy enough. So we had tremendous winds here where we farm early in the growing season to the point where it even tipped our corn a little bit. And a lot of people are really panicking, losing their minds over this. And I go, hey, this is great. I want the wind now. The plants recover fine, and the plants will be a little shorter because of this early wind, so they all adjust. When you don't want that wind is like what happened in Iowa here, whatever it's been, 10 days, two weeks ago, and everything was fully grown, and then it snapped plants off in a lot of cases, or it lodged plants and there's no there's no regrowing. It doesn't stand up very well because they're, I mean, the plant's done growing. It's as tall as it's going to get. Uh, so anyway, uh, yeah, I, I mean, wind and bracerets, uh, to some degree go hand in hand, but where they go hand in hand is early in the season. Thanks for all the calls and questions today. And thank you for listening to our show. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD radio.